For most of us, the difference between time spent in the city and time spent in nature is noticeable. We feel notable changes when we go from one to the other, but what about those other spaces? What about those little natural areas that are tucked away within our cities? Some would say that these spaces are safer because they're closer to the city, to more people, but is that really true? Or is being around more people just another opportunity to run into the wrong kind of person? My name is Brienne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a series of murders that happened in a jungle, or the jungle, rather. Seattle's jungle, an open area in Greenbelt that stretches below Interstate 5 and just so happens to be the perfect place to hide a body, at least back in the 90s. Dwayne Lee Harris is a man that is known as Chili Willy, or the slightly more serious Seattle jungle killer. In 1997, he began a crime spree that would turn quite a few heads, but the full extent of his crimes would be an ongoing topic of discussion. See, Harris was a serial killer, but we can't exactly trust him in anything that he says for the same reason that we struggle to trust in so many others. His ego. In 1997, Harris was out with a friend when he met his first known victim. Her name was Denise Marie Harris, and I was a little surprised that no one seemed to jump on the similarities between their names. If I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that they were related, but they weren't. I did, however, almost find myself wondering if her name resonated with Dwayne Lee Harris in some way, given his eventual self-obsession. The three of them met on the street, and it wasn't long before he and his friend decided that it was time for the evening to take a turn for the worst. They attacked Denise, quickly overpowering her. They used a belt to strangle her, stripped her, and tied her up using shoelaces, a fact which would give Harris his third nickname, the Seattle Shoelace Slasher. Once they were completely certain that she was dead, they made their way through the jungle and stashed away her body until she was found. And then, it was 1998. Harris's next victim was a woman named Antoinette Jones. She was found in February of 1998, but evidence shows that she more likely died at the end of 1997 as well. The evidence would also show that she was once again strangled with a belt. Like Denise, she was tied up with shoelaces and abandoned in the jungle. Now, when later prompted, Harris would admit that he killed her on purpose, but he claimed that it wasn't a random instinct to kill. This was before he wanted to fully lean into his identity as a serial killer, and he told police that she stole drugs from him. Harris's third and youngest known victim was also found in 1998. Her name was Olivia Smith. He left her abandoned in an outdoor stairwell not far off from where he left his other victims. But at first, you wouldn't know that Harris did it. Olivia was stabbed. She wasn't strangled. 
In fact, she was stabbed in multiple places and had several slash marks going across her neck, almost as if Harris was trying something new. He explained this altercation away as well. According to Harris, the two got into a fight over an agreement that they had. He said that they were exchanging drugs for sex, and this was a fairly common theme. Each of the victims were believed to be drug users, and there was also likely suspicion that the three women were sex workers as well. We've talked about the increased risk of violence that sex workers face, and this is just another fine example. Harris killed these women very close together, and it seems obvious that he believed that they were pretty easy prey. With so many bodies showing up, police were looking for a killer, but they still weren't entirely sure that everything was related. The area was kind of considered to be bad by itself. Fortunately, or unfortunately, Harris wanted to clear this up for them. After the three women were found, a detective received an interesting phone call. The person on the phone claimed to know about the murders. A month later, he would go on to fully confess to these crimes. When asked why he did it, he told police that it was his favorite hobby. See, according to Harris, killing the women was a thrill, and it didn't sound like he had any intention of stopping anytime soon. It always sounds so weird to hear these things, in my opinion. You would think that if you were a killer, you wouldn't want anyone to know about it, right? But serial killers are often victims of their own egos. Harris was admittedly happy to gush about his twisted new pastime, but then his story changed. He must have felt the potential repercussions coming because he claimed that he only killed Olivia and that it was just because they got in a fight and he snapped. This would change again, though. Once it became clear that there was no way out and he was charged for his crimes, Harris seemed to really lean into a more devilish persona, like he wanted to be a serial killer. He was known to have outbursts and was actually restrained during his time in court. It was during this time that he really began to glow. First, he claimed that he only confessed because his crimes weren't given the right respect. He was annoyed that police and society had yet to discover that a serial killer was actually loose in Seattle. Feeling rejected, he decided to confess so that they would know what he was capable of. And this is where everything gets even more deranged. In a later interview, Harris began to brag again. This time, he was happy to share that he might have killed more than 30 other people during his reign of terror. Though police only managed to charge him for these three crimes, he seemed fairly insistent that the potential for them to find other bodies is there. But we still don't know how realistic this is. While it is certainly possible that he killed other people before he was caught, we don't know if it's true or if he's just talking. If he is just trying to sow more uncertainty and fear, because it's obvious that he likes that. 
it seems to be a pretty big focus for him. In the same way that he wanted Seattle to know that a serial killer was hunting, his guilty sentence came with another attempt for him to create fear. After being sentenced to 94 years in prison, Harris laughed in the courtroom. And then he reminded the court that there are more serial killers out there just like him. It's strange to think that a killer might not be charged for all of their crimes, and stranger to realize that this is actually surprisingly common. Harris might have had three victims, or he might have had ten times that. The good news is that he's locked away, and he will die in prison for his crimes. But Seattle's jungle remains a place to look out for. Estimates determined that the area, which is filled with tents, was home to over 400 homeless people back in 2016. Following acts of violence, police scrutiny, and the impacts brought on by the pandemic, the population has changed, but the risks in the area stay the same. Murders, assaults, and burglaries remain a prominent concern in the jungle, even with local groups working to help the people staying there. Unfortunately, there is just a lot of suffering in this space, and it doesn't seem like anyone has the answers. So, if you want to discuss Seattle, urban jungles, or your favorite local green belt, contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.